Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So they're voting on whether or not to remove Ilhan Omar. I mean, that's how it's happening right now. And oh, there was some screaming. There was some screaming and some hooping and a hollering going on on the floor of the House of Representatives. Ilhan Omar has a history of anti-Semitism. I'm not the one who made her a Jew-hating bigot. I didn't do it. Don't look at me. But how dare you think I should just accept it and take it and deal with it? I have no uh, plans of doing that. But if you were to ask the Democrats, well, there's only one reason why you're deciding to get rid of of Ilhan Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Remember, it's only about being removed from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. She still gets to be on other committees. The only reason you want to get rid of her is because, well, you're a bunch of racists, Republicans. That's all you are. All you are is a bunch of racists. Do I do I need to prove my, my point? Okay. Let's start with Representative Ocasio-Cortez. Because she got kicks us off in this great game of, wow, they really are going down this road, aren't they? They're really making this their story. Sure. Thank you. Now, as also as a fellow New Yorker, I think one of the things that we should talk about here is also one of the disgusting legacies after 9-11 has been the targeting and racism against Muslim Americans throughout the United States of America. And this is an extension of that legacy. Consistency, there is nothing consistent with the Republican Party's continued attack except for the racism and incitement of violence against women of color in this body. Let's stop for just a moment. I lived through 9-11 like many of you did. I was in Washington, D.C. on September 11th. I was working as a restaurant manager. The Hard Rock Cafe. Um, a job I would come to regret having in general, but that was about me, not about, not about the job. And I watched people. I was actually uh, doing a training. I was training a new employee when one of the uh, servers came in who was setting up and said, you got to see this, uh, and watched um, uh, uh, one of the planes hit and then started hearing stories about bombs around D.C., State Department and other places. Um, those didn't turn out to be true, but there was a lot of things going back and forth. Uh, the attack on the Pentagon and where I was... Um, Ninth, ninth and E is uh, seven blocks from the Capitol, uh, seven blocks from the White House and nine blocks from the Capitol, directly across the the, the building or d- directly across the way from the J. Edgar Hoover building, the FBI building. And I watch people run for their lives from the J. Edgar Hoover building. My drive home, I lived in D.C. at the time, which was normally 20 minutes, took three hours. Watched it all happen. Experienced it happening. What I did not experience, which is to say I did not witness, which is to say there isn't mass reporting, 
was a nonstop consistent series of attacks against Muslims in the United States. It's absolutely what did not happen. What you could show me anecdotally, I won't disagree to. What you can show me in terms of trend lines never materialized. That is not accurate. As a matter of fact, it was a conversation, as I recall it, to go to great lengths to make the difference between someone who is your neighbor and a jihadist. Thus the conversation of radical Islamic terrorism or a radical Islamist. As for the idea of an attack on women of color in this body. I had a member of the Republican caucus threaten my life and you all and the Republican caucus rewarded him with one of the most prestigious committee assignments in this Congress. Don't tell me this is about consistency. Don't tell me that this is about an abdi- a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who, have, who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an, an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. Thank you. Mm. Well, she's angry. And of course, everybody's a racist. That's her answer. Her answer is everybody's a racist. Her answer is you're a bigot. Her answer is, that's the only reason. It can't possibly be that Representative Omar has to deal with the consequences of her actions. But if you're going to talk about Jew-hating bigots, you got to talk about Representative Rashida Tlaib. So desperate to distract the American people from their total inability to govern. The GOP is now doing what it is best at, weaponizing hate against a black, beautiful Muslim woman. Congresswoman Omar's lived experience as a refugee and a child of survivor of war should be welcomed on this committee. It is needed. When you can't pass any bills that actually improve the people's lives, they turn to Congress, they turn Congress into a place of fear-mongering hate. It is so painful to watch. How ironic that the so-called lovers of personal freedom are now moving to censor Congresswoman Omar in the same week. Can we, can we just stop for a, a moment and go back to something she said right here? When you can't pass any bills that actually improve the people's lives, they turn to Congress, they turn Congress into a place of fear-mongering hate. When Representative Tlaib got to Congress... The first thing she did when she got into her office is wrote Palestine on a post-it note and put it over Israel. Figuratively and literally wiping it off the map. A constant refrain of Israel as an apartheid state. That the United States is somehow funding terrorism. And she says so at events where she is uh, connected to people like Congressman Andre Carson of Indianapolis, uh, Indianapolis 7th, or, or the Indiana 7th District. And she now has an issue with hate. It's one thing to say that you oppose an Israeli policy. I do. Like I can oppose a German policy like I have and a British policy like I have. 
Certainly, I opposed Israeli policies regarding COVID. They got that wrong. Apartheid state? You're in a whole nother game. Wiping Israel off the map? I mean, she might as well be singing from the river to the sea. But she doesn't see herself as hateful. Nope. It's just those Republicans. And she's going to let them know it. It is so painful to watch. How ironic that the so-called lovers of personal freedom are now moving to censor Congresswoman Omar in the same week they introduced a bill to ban federal employees from engaging in censorship. Where are the free speech warriors today? The hypocrisy is obvious to the American people. You are showing who you all are, really. The gentlewoman's time has expired. Will not be silenced. The gentlewoman's time has expired. Omar, I am so sorry that our country is failing you today through this chamber. You belong to the gentleman is no longer recognized, and the the gentleman from Mississippi is recognized. And she just kept on yelling, crying, and screaming, and wailing. Um. Okay. Congress is failing her. The country is failing her. Again, never responsible for her own actions, for her own words. Now, I thought I had also Gregory Meeks, a congressman from New York. Is this him? Madam Chair, it is undeniable that Representative Omar has made what has been considered to be offensive, anti-Semitic, comments in the past. It is also undeniable that Representative Omar has apologized, learned, and been a reliable and productive member of the Foreign Affairs Committee. I don't know what you mean by reliable and and productive. I I don't. Uh, Also, uh, define learned for me, if, if, if you don't mind. What do you mean she's learned? What do you mean that she has learned? You mean she's learned how not to say certain things? She's learned so much about anti-Semitic tropes. She no longer talks about Jews and money because you know what that means. She told us on CNN she didn't know what that means. Okay. People don't believe her. They don't. I didn't know about how hypnotized could be taken. You said that Israel hypnotizes members of Congress. You didn't know how that was taken? Okay. If you say so, if you say so, what has she learned? I found it impressive from Representative Meeks that he admitted that she did these things. I'm surprised he doesn't get in trouble with the um, Omar Tlaib uh, AOC set admitting such things like her like her bigotry. You can't do that. That's crazy talk. But Meeks continued later. Could it be? Because it's clear. If she were on the other side of the aisle, we would not be having this debate today. That is absolutely clear. 
The GOP was not outraged when Donald Trump broke bread with the anti-Semitic Holocaust deniers at his Florida mansion. There was no outrage when Donald Trump tweets deployed images of the Star of David and stacks of currency. time is expired. We need to vote no and stand up for democracy, and democracy means Chairman's time is expired. Representative Omar needs to remain and be productive on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. And I yield back the battle for my time. You had no time. You used it all. What are you talking about? A strange thing happened repeatedly in in this as they were, were pushing um, this. Uh, you're just a, a bigot for being opposed to Ilhan Omar. They kept bringing up Trump. Trump had, has in the past, like, for example, attending a Republican Jewish coalition event, um, uh, made reference to I don't need your money. You can argue, dude, man, calm yourself down. I believe when that happened, the RJC kind of laughed him off. I remember the the video correctly. And you can argue that he has engaged a conversation about the idea of Jews and loyalty regarding Israel. I'm an American. I don't question where my loyalty is. I believe in Israel's right to exist, and I understand the importance of it. I'm an American. Ain't no question for me. I think it's an ugly thing to do to bring up the idea of dual loyalty. When Trump had dinner with Nick Fuentes and um, and Kanye, I gave the man no quarter. I said it is wrong because it is wrong because it is wrong. Because it is indeed wrong. I gave him no quarter. He didn't know who this guy was. He didn't ask a question. Don't ask me to say it's okay. Because it sure as hell ain't. But the question before us goes as follows. If indeed all of these things are wrong, all of these mentions of re- regarding Trump and what Trump did and anti semitism they're all wrong, right? That's what the left is saying. They're all wrong. Well, then why isn't Ilhan Omar wrong? Why shouldn't she be removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee? If it's wrong, it's wrong. And she has done these things. And you not only think that Trump should be admonished, there should be resolutions admonishing him. Eric Swalwell came uh, to the floor. Oh, oh, you got to love how Eric Swalwell tries to do a tough guy routine. It is world. It's world class. My what a what a beta. Good Lord. If Trump's wrong. Ilhan Omar is wrong. And if Trump deserves derision, then Ilhan Omar deserves derision. And your argument is, will she apologize? Nah. I'm saying no. Not going to have that one. Nah. 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 Not taking it. She takes a term off of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Goodbye. And you want to scream racism? You go right ahead. You're wrong. You're hiding behind your religion. You're hiding behind the color of your skin. You're hiding behind uh, your, your gender. That's what you're doing instead of taking responsibility for your actions. Which would be better. 
everything is not about your things. You think this is all about these characteristics as opposed to what's going on inside the gray. This is an issue of what's going on inside the gray. That's what we're looking at here. That is what we are discussing here. What's going on inside the gray? You ask me if I have some level of faith in Ilhan Omar that she's not a bigot regarding Jews? No. No, I do not. No, I do not. You're asking me. I think she's explained to me who she is. I mean, is, is it Maya Angelou when someone who tells you who they are, believe them? When someone shows you who they are, believe them? I always attribute that to Maya Angelou. I think that's right. Anyway, uh, I believe she's shown us who she is. She's going to be off this committee. And uh, we'll move on to who they call racist next. Because, well, they've always got somebody to call racist. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So not only is Ron Klain leaving as chief of staff to Joe Biden, getting announced today that Brian Deese, Biden's top economic advisor, is leaving. Oh my. We call that kids a shakeup. That's exactly what it is. But it's more than that. It's people saying, yeah, there's no win in this anymore. It's not fun anymore to have to go through this day in and day out. Especially knowing that there is no political future. And I am a believer that that's the story. The story here is that there is no political future being a part of the Biden team. He isn't running. He, Lord only knows if he would get the nomination. And then there's something else. What there is to say of the idea that Biden through this classified document scandal may be in worse shape than he lets on to. What is it to say that, oh, they they, they only found, uh, you know, uh, they didn't find any classified documents in Rehoboth Beach in his beach house, but they still took some documents. They still took some documents. What do you mean they still took some documents? What is it that's going on? So I had this conversation with William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. He's got a take. It's kind of fascinating take about what could be coming. Not only regarding Biden, uh, Joe Biden himself, but with Hunter Biden in the mix. I've got that story coming for you. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com, TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz Today.
so they head on down to Rehoboth Beach. They check Joe Biden's beach house. Uh, The man has a beach house, by the way. I just think it's important to note that the president of the United States has never held a job in his life. Never. Where, Where is his private sector experience? And he's got a beach house. I just... I just want to know how that happens. I I want to understand how they make the money. Because I have yet to figure it out. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. That is uh, the number, my good people. And, oh, they, they, they held the vote. They held the vote. And uh, yeah, Ilhan Omar removed from committee. removed from committee, also getting announced that it'll be Sarah Sanders, the governor of Arkansas, who will deliver the GOP response to Biden's State of the Union, which takes place next week. Oh, good Lord. Is that going to be a long night? Oh, no, no. I'll be live streaming. I'll be chatting, talking, jibber-jabbering, the whole thing. And then, of course, I'll have the I'll have the breakdown for you. I'll have the full breakdown for you. It's funny that next day I, I head out of town. I'll be in Houston for a couple of days. So if you happen to be in the Houston area, uh, you'll have a cigar with me. I only hope. But they search Biden's uh, beach house and they're like, hey, nothing to see here. No classified documents. But we, we did uh, take a couple things with us, some handwritten notes. I'm sorry. What? You took some handwritten? Why? Then you have to add on top of that the conversation about Hunter Biden. Because Hunter Biden is now admitting that, oh, yeah, the laptop, that was, that was mine. He never admitted that the laptop was his. He always said, oh, it could have been. He left it at this, uh, this computer shop. Clearly forgot about it and, and very possibly due to uh, his drug use. And now, and now he's saying, well, we should be engaging a criminal investigation of the guy who owns the computer shop and former President Trump and Rudy Giuliani in his capacity as Trump's lawyer because they allowed everything on this laptop to be leaked. That's a take. You know, there's a story about Hunter Biden. I was talking about this yesterday, but we never got to the part two of it. He had somebody working for him who was struggling with money, and he was uh, texting with her and saying, hey, you need to FaceTime me while you're in the shower, and then I'll pay you. I don't know. I'll pay you this. I'll pay you that. You just got FaceTime me in the shower. And we, well, you can only talk about sex, and we have to do what the other person asks within reason. This is Hunter Biden. This is Hunter Biden. Everything about him is duplicitous, dangerous, or deviant. Now, I think if you want to be deviant with somebody who also wants to be deviant, there's no problem with that. Two people of their own free will, I have no problem with. Somebody is having trouble making rent, and you're like, here's my chance. You are a creepy bastard. But what does it say about this non-raid that takes place And what does it say 
about Hunter Biden making this admission. So I spoke with William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com about Hunter Biden and about Joe Biden and the, the search of uh, right the, the, the laptop issue and the search of the house at Rehoboth Beach. Uh, the, this investigation that took place with the knowledge of Joe Biden, with the knowledge of his lawyer, Bob Bauer, they, they organized the time, they met up, Bob Bauer led the investigation as per some of the reporting uh, in the House. They didn't find any classified documents, but they did take a couple of handwritten notes with them. This seems, as we've watched the raid on on President Trump's home, whether you agree with it or not, the raid on uh, Paul Manafort's home, the raid on Roger Stone's home, the way we know that the FBI usually operates with, you know, regular folk, this seems very, very irregular and very, very velvet glove. This seem normal to you? This this the way an investigation should happen? Well, uh it is unusual if you look at the other major raids that have taken place. And I say raids. Now, they had judicial approval, but they were, they were all of the sudden, out of the blue, unexpected. That's a raid, no matter how you, how do you try to frame it, uh, that the, uh, have taken place. You know, I, I think it was Roger Stone. CNN was tipped off in advance and was there with their cameras. So Correct. Uh, this is something that was kept very hidden. And uh, not the usual way the FBI has done it when they really want to embarrass somebody. Now, of course, now they're going to the home of their boss, literally their boss, the person that the Justice Department reports to. Uh, So I think that part of the executive branch. So it's not usual. It's very deferential. Now, in fairness to the FBI, that did happen with Trump. FBI agents before the raid, weeks or months before the raid, were allowed onto the premises, were allowed to look at things, uh, they were accompanied, uh, and only when they claimed that not everything had been turned over did they then get the, the warrant and do the raid. So it's not usual, it's very deferential, but it, it does have a precedent in the way they initially treated Trump before they claimed that not everything had been turned over. The taking of one or two documents that they say, okay, it's not classified, but that signal anything to you? Well, that's unusual. I mean, if the purpose of this raid, the purpose of this review was to, or search, was to get classified documents, why are they taking handwritten notes? We don't know. We don't know what was in the notes. But, you know, I've always argued, or at least argued for weeks, that I think the classified documents at the various Biden locations are the tail on the dog here. I don't think that when the lawyers originally discovered that there were classified documents at the UPenn satellite office in D.C., in Washington, D.C., I don't think they were actually looking for classified documents. I think they were looking things regarding Hunter Biden's business dealings, Joe Biden's dealings, with foreign governments on behalf of Hunter Biden uh, in that were in his vice presidential papers that were kept at UPenn. I think they were looking for other things because they knew that Republicans were going to be taking over the Congress and would have subpoena power and Republicans could subpoena UPenn 
to turn over the, all those documents and all those records. Well, if the records are not physically at UPenn, Republicans in the House can't do that. They'd have to subpoena Biden, which raises all sorts of issues. So I think that this was a cleansing operation conducted by Biden's lawyers. Why else would lawyers be doing this rather than just move the boxers, hire, hire a moving company and move the boxes? I think this was a cleansing operation. And in the course of that cleansing operation, the Biden lawyers were like, oh, damn, we've got classified documents in here. What do we do now? Well, they're smart enough lawyers. They knew they couldn't just throw them out. They knew they couldn't. So they they called their buddies, people they knew at DOJ and worked out the turn, you know, turning them over. So I don't think this is really about Joe Biden having classified documents. I'd like to know what were in the documents that weren't classified that have to do with his vice presidential dealings that could be extremely embarrassing and are the real scandal here. The real scandal here is that Joe Biden sold access to himself and maybe worse than just access in order to benefit his family, particularly his son as the conduit. Which so brings us. That's which, what I think the story is about. Which brings us quickly to to Hunter Biden finally admitting that the laptop is his, and oh by the way, there should be a criminal probe into the computer shop owner and former President Trump and Rudy Giuliani because look what they've done, and that's all criminal. Does he have a case at all? Well, I I don't know the details of what his argument is, but it's clear they are running scared. There is stuff out there that we don't know about that probably will get Joe Biden impeached. Okay, as much as Republicans are hesitant to do it, I think his conduct was probably a lot worse and a lot more involved than we currently know. So the fact that Hunter Biden is trying to get people criminally charged for doing things, and he's, as I understand it from news reports, He's saying anyone who shares the information should be criminally charged. So this is another way they're trying to spike the story. They're trying to put reporters and conservatives and everybody that, look, you're going to be criminally prosecuted if you write about this, if you disclose it, if you tell people about it. So this is another shutdown operation. And I think they are hiding something massive, more massive than we even know right now. That is a complete scandal uh, and really shows that Joe Biden breached his uh, you know, duty of loyalty to the United States. We don't have that information yet, but you don't act this way unless you're hiding something. That is Cornell Law Professor William Jacobson. LegalInsurrection.com. Check it out for yourself, sir. I appreciate you. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. They bring to the floor of the House of Representatives today a resolution on socialism to condemn some dictators that we all condemn. But understand, the goal of this phony, fake, and fraudulent resolution is just to somehow provide cover for extreme MAGA Republicans to try to undermine an agenda that is designed to lift up the health, safety, and well-being of the American people. If it's about um, villainizing people we all agree should be villainized, then how is it about the other thing? You see, it's about this, but it's really about that. Now, sometimes that is true. They say it's about this, but it's about that. But you just said you agree.
And um, should we uh, be clear that maybe the policies that you favor, maybe what you claim as smart spending is actually a gigantic problem? We don't hold to the same things. We believe in something fundamentally different. You believe in something fundamentally different. Uh, the, the, the nation needs a reckoning. You, the political left, believes in something that the political right does not. And it is very much fundamental to who we are as a society. Are we free or are we not? Are we a collective or are we individuals? Are we united or should we continue to divide amongst every single possible line you can, which is absolutely within the writings of Marxism? So what is it that we're discussing here? Why shouldn't we note how wrong that is? Well, you can't admit that it's wrong if it's the thing that you're depending on. I haven't missed anything on this, have I? Nah, I I didn't think so. I didn't think I missed any part of it. Uh, There was a fascinating bit of information about January 6th. I know. I know. You you hear January 6th and like, good Lord, could you please make this stop already? (laughs) Exactly. But there's a story about how the January 6th committee left out some things. Left out some information, some key information, some important information. And so it was Byron York who pointed it out uh, on, on Twitter, and it was NBC News that did the reporting. The House January 6th committee concluded that the FBI and other federal security agencies could have prevented a violent mob from overrunning the Capitol had they acted on the large volume of intelligence collected beforehand. The chief investigator told NBC News in an exclusive interview, a judgment the committee left out of its televised hearings and final report. Now, the former federal prosecutor, who was the committee's chief investigative counsel, says that it was uh, former President Trump who sparked the riot urging protesters to go to the Capitol. His probe documented how federal law enforcement failures contributed to the debacle. Now, I have said from the very, very beginning that Trump is not guilty of insurrection. Trump is not guilty of insurrection. Trump did not engage in insurrection against the United States. You can't get me to buy in. You can get me to buy in that Trump did a lot of things wrong. But this is a great example of why Representative, former Representative Adam Kinzinger and Representative, former Representative Liz Cheney suffered all of that hate, that derision, that indignation, that disgust. It is because they played the part of useful idiots. They bought into this being an important committee without discussing what it is a committee like this should be discussing. How did it all happen? How do we make sure it doesn't happen again? Which is something you and I could have been like, hmm, let's let's find out. Because if there were security failings, shouldn't we fix those? 
we could agree to that. We might agree to parts of it. We might disagree on parts of it. But certainly we would consider it better than, hey, let's get a group of people together, engage a witch hunt against Donald Trump, and call all Republicans domestic terrorists. Sound good? Sound good? Sound good? Three arch whips. Let's go to work. Which is what they did. And useful idiot Adam Kinzinger and useful idiot Liz Cheney, I'm not calling them names. I'm engaging the Lenin speak. They just went full bore into this, thinking that this was rational, normal, decent, worthy. No. And we all knew it. And we yelled at them from the from the sidelines, don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to be a part of this committee and take it seriously? Oh, God. Nobody was there to bring objection to what the left was doing. It was all go along to go along to go along to go along because Trump bad. Maybe you think Trump's bad. Maybe you do. I'm, I'm not going to tell you no. You're, you're more than welcome to have that take. But if you weren't interested in the totality of what went wrong on January 6th, well, then you're admitting you're a part of a witch hunt and you were proud of yourself. Pretty ugly stuff. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today.